We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for January 10th, 2016, our first, I guess, official teaching for 2016. I've sent out several emails just trying to keep up with all of the uh, end-time Christian current events and the health things coming up, and um, I got together this study for today. We're going to be covering a myriad of different uh, subjects, the, a lot of different things, very, very interesting uh, information. A lot of this I've never covered. Before we get into this, though, um, just one health tip for the week. Uh, I really acquired one of these recently. It's called a NutriBullet, <clears throat> NutriBullet Pro, actually, in this case. And um, <clears throat> these things are amazing. It's probably... I'm always trying to find recommendations for my listeners regarding things that they can do in their life the easiest possible way, where you're going to get the most bang for the buck, where you know it, it's something that you're going to just achieve a lot of different results with uh, in a convenient format. And this is probably the best device I've seen Convenience-wise, uh, it's BPA-free plastic. Uh, it seems to be very sturdy. Um, I, I got the, the pro version, but what you can do is literally get several servings of different kinds of fruits or vegetables all in one fell swoop in a package that tastes really good. Uh, I mean, obviously, it depends on what you put in there, but, uh, I mean, I just put in, in this one I just made, big handful of spinach, almost equivalent to a, a salad, okay, organic spinach with organic parsley with uh, frozen pineapple. If you freeze the chunks of the pineapple, it's really good because then you don't have to use ice. Some organic strawberries. Uh, you can use apple and um, some whole organic yogurt and i'm just telling you this just as an example just a lot of different things a teaspoon of organic raw honey uh one packet of organic stevia always buy organic stevia do not buy regular stevia or the regular stevia is bad bad stuff it is not good i, I didn't even know that until recently and and it's not good stuff you want to get the organic stevia the packets and um you put that together in this pro one it's a little bit larger so if you have a family, it's better because you can actually, uh, you know, get more in there. And I mean, you're getting several servings of your greens, which is probably about the best thing you can put in your body. It's incredibly good for detoxification. It's, you know, so many benefits to getting good organic greens in your diet every day. And, and I'll be honest, I didn't always do that. I mean, I have a lot of supplements that I take, but the greens, I wasn't always in a position where I could make a salad and do this or do that. And you can kind of do this, and especially if you're doing this for your family at the start of a day, you can kind of get their day kicked off with, I mean, probably the best possible way. Not only that, the way that this juice extractor works is, is it's, it's not really a juice extractor, but it's a, like a really heavy-duty, high-speed blender, like a Vitamix, without actually having to pay the prices that you'd pay for a Vitamix, which I don't even know what they're up to now. But you're getting the benefit of the whole fruit, the whole vegetable and even if it's organic I, I would advise getting like some uh, you know water in be 
it's better if it's purified to some extent. At least get the chlorine out. Soak it in, you know, a little bit of um, whole food. You know, it's water with, I don't know, two tablespoons of, uh, like, Bragg's organic apple cider vinegar. And um, I even use a little bit of the... Uh, Oh, it's it, there's soaps out there that are that are actually vegetable-based soaps, and you can put a little bit of that in there, and it breaks down any bonds because they're still chemtrailing things, you know. So regardless of if it's organic or not, you're going to get that chemtrail uh, component. So anything, what you're trying to do with the vinegar and the soaps, or break down any type of um, bonds, even unorganic, even in, uh, and especially if it's not organic. That would definitely be a huge factor there. Um, so, and then just put that all, you put it all together and you mix it, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds. And it's it tastes amazing. And you're just getting, it's just one of the most power packed things I could recommend. Great way to, to start off the day. And uh, um, I'm having one here in the evening, but whenever you know whenever you want to and i think this could make a just gigantic health impact on you know the body of christ if they did something like this every day i realize this isn't available to to everybody out there um christianity wise i, I realize that but those that have access those that feel convicted this is just a really great easy thing that you can do and i think can make a huge impact in your life so let's go ahead and get into the teaching and uh, the first report is entitled Biblical Prophecy Fulfilled, Video Proof, which is Isaiah 17.1. Now, I'm not saying it's the full fulfillment, but it's moving in that direction heavily. Where it says, Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city, and it shall be a ruinous heap. In Damascus in Syria. A video captured by a drone reveals just how devastating the destruction has been in the Damascus suburb where Buildings might be divided into two categories, partially damaged and totally demolished. And there's a picture here I put in the PDF for January 10th, 2016. And I mean, it literally does look like a ruinous heap. I mean, for as far as the eye can see. Now, granted, this is a suburb of Damascus. I'm not saying the whole city looks this way, but again, as far as that prophecy goes... When, when we look at that, it doesn't necessarily mean it actually all happened in one fell swoop, like it got nuked, okay? Uh, this is definitely moving in that direction, and um, the, the pictures and the drone footage totally prove that. I give you a link to the actual drone footage here if you'd like to click on that. As the drone camera makes its way back from one block to the next, it seems there is no end in sight to the complete and utter ruin characterizing today's suburb of Jabbar. The... Um, and again, we have the, the verse, Isaiah 17, 1, Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. It shall be a ruinous heap. The burden of Damascus. And um, apocalyptic scenes of the Damascus suburb obliterated by violent clashes was how RT described the drone video, which the Russian network obtained. By contrast, here's how RT described what Jabbar was like five years ago. Just five years ago, before the Syrian conflict um, in 2011, the neighborhood was home to some 300,000 residents, most of whom were Sunni Muslims. The suburb contained a number of ancient landmarks, most notably the Green Synagogue, the oldest Jewish synagogue in the world. It also contained the Grand Jabbar Mosque, in addition to the tomb of the prophet Elijah. The clashes continue in Jabbar between the Syrian army and the rebel forces, aiming to oust Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. 
uh, the suburb is now in the hands of rebels. So just kind of an interesting thing to start things out for today. We're, we're definitely moving in, into the days of more fulfillment of biblical prophecy, both in Daniel and Revelation, uh, Thessalonians, you know, these types of things. And there's one, another one that's being fulfilled as well. The next report. Now, last week I got into the, the subject of the massive, massive inbreeding among people that would identify themselves as Muslims in the world. Over a 50% rate. And who knows? It may be a lot higher than even that. And what, uh, from a biblical standpoint, that is literally just bringing a gigantic curse from generation to generation, generational curses. It's, it's affecting the, um, I mean, from a demonic level, who knows what's actually happening. From a physiological level, the lowered IQs, the just the the tendency to mental mental insanity, the ten, the tendency to uh, all types of uh, malformations and deformities in the body, and it sets you up for all kind of diseases, things of this nature. Today, we're going to look at another aspect of Islam, which is also a foundational aspect of why things are the way they are. This is mind-blowing information. And I've known about this for a long time, and I have mentioned this before. Uh, but I've went, going back to this report, revisiting it, and, and actually uh, this expanded on what I even knew regarding the relationship between Islam and the Catholic Church. And this is uh, entitled, How the Vatican Created Islam by former Jesuit, Jesuit priest Alberto Rivera. Here's a picture of his... Um, of this particular gentleman, ex-Jesuit priest, um, his identification card, the whole nine yards, okay, in there. Uh, Chick Publications has heavily promoted his information for a long time. They've incorporated it into different tracks they have, into different, like, comic books that they have, and and um, it's, it's amazing. So let's just go and, and, and take an in-depth look at this, because this really shows you from past present to even future, what the agenda is here regarding the Catholic Church and Islam. And again, just mind-blowing stuff. Alberto Rivera was a Jesuit priest until he, re he renounced and told what he knew from his years as a priest in the Society of Jesus, which is called the Jesuits. The, that, and that included access to the secret Vatican libraries. Underneath the Vatican, you believe there's these huge secret Vatican libraries that are only accessible to, I believe, Jesuits and other maybe privileged few within the Illuminati, within Catholicism. I don't know how exactly you, you gain access to that. It might involve an Ovaltine secret decoder ring. I don't know. Anyway, just kidding. But, yeah, they uh, it's this really, really top secret place underneath the Vatican that has a lot of their secrets that no one is supposed to know about. He had access to that as, as a Jesuit. And for this, because he came out with this information, he was assassinated as other former Jesuit priests have been poisoned and assassinated. Now, if you're not familiar with the Jesuits, key in Jesuit, in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, I've done several teachings. I even, one of the teachings I did, oh, it's in the last, I don't know, three or four years, I think, we got into the Jesuit oath, the Jesuit extreme oath of unction, if I recall. And the oath that they have to take 
before they get into the Jesuits. And I mean, it is so horrific. It is so beyond comprehension. I thought the Freemasonic oaths were bad. This blows that one away. Any of those away. So you understand kind of why they're so evil with just the foundational oath they have to take just to get into this wicked, evil, sinister organization within the Catholic death cult, which is kind of what I call it because they're taking people to hell through their works-based theology. Below he discloses how the Vatican created the Islamic religion to destroy Jerusalem and the Jews. Now that's a really big, profound statement. But where did all this inherent hatred of the Jews come from within Islam. I mean, could there have been an agenda from the very, because Islam hasn't been around before Christ. You know, it, it, it's, it's not something that, you know, that was like that at all. It actually happened after Christ, you know, had been crucified. So it's not like you can go back thousands of years regarding Islam. It's more of a recent type of trend, more of a recent, you know, obviously cult that has come about. So again, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And the foundation of Islam was wicked and corrupt from the very beginning. And from the very beginning, there was an inherent hatred that was built in to Islam of both the Jews and the Christians. And we're going to look at that in depth. So you can understand maybe why they how they justify the, the what they're doing to people they would refer to as infidels or non-believers in Islam, but particularly those that would be of a Christian and a Jewish um, orientation. So going further, okay. So just to clarify that last point a little bit, Muhammad was born in 1570 A.D. after the death you know, of, of Jesus. So he was well-to-do, he's drawn towards prayer, meditation, but basically the ball really gets rolling. It looks like he traveled around Mecca to spread the word about Allah, 622 AD. It looks as though it was in full swing. So it's hard to actually exactly pinpoint, but it's in that time era, okay, of after Muhammad was born in, in, in 570 AD, afterwards okay and we're going to look at that more today we're going to look at more muhammad and um their their pedophile uh leader there that took his first wife his favorite wife aisha at the age of six and then supposedly waited three years to consummate the marriage according to their own disgusting pedophilic laws the 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 little girl has to be able to bear the weight of the man in order to actually constantly but that doesn't stop them okay that that's all that's all uh, a bunch of lies anyway just to put in there so they don't look too horrific but uh of course it's all horrific but they're they're just trying to i guess save face to a certain extent there anyway uh and again, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? This was their foundation. This was the person they looked to as their leader, who they wanted to emulate, who is this great prophet. So if it was good enough for Muhammad, it's good enough for the rest of their followers, all throughout antiquity. So you've got this antiquity of pedophilic crimes against not only little girls, and then you also get into the genital mutilation they do to the little girls, but also against little boys. 
I mean, hey, if you die in, in holy jihad and you believe you go to paradise where the 17, 72 virgins are and white-skinned boys, and this is all of a sexual orientation of, of, of why that's desirable. So how could you put, if that's their mindset, if that is their sick, disgusting mindset, there's really not a whole lot, you know, you figure they wouldn't do if that's what they're, where they're coming from. So going further, uh, let's see here. Below he discloses, and this is this um, the, the priest that we're, we're talking about, Albert, Alberto Rivera, who was the next Jesuit priest who was assassinated for coming out with this information. He discloses how the Vatican created the Islamic religion to destroy Jerusalem and the Jews. Here is a letter from a former high-ranking Jesuit who signed an order to have Alberto Rivera killed until he too denounces his faith in the Jesuits. And there's all links to these sources and links if you want to explore them further. There's a lot more resources you can, you can uh, procure about this regarding these links and probably going up to Chick publications. They have several things as well. Please visit these links to research how long, how powerful, and how murderous the Vatican and the Jesuits have been throughout modern history. I mean, the Catholic death cult isn't just some little... I mean, look at the Inquisitions alone. At least 50 million killed. In the most unbelievably horrific, torturous ways you could possibly have. So far away from Jesus Christ and what he would have ever commanded anybody to do. So, so polar opposite of him. Yet they say... The Pope says that he is the vicar of Christ on planet Earth. The words vicar means replacement. From what I've heard, that phrase, vicar of Christ, is actually in his mitre that he wears. His Dagon fish cap mitre, which is where that comes from. Dagon the fish god, which it looks like a fish head on the side, basically. It's actually, I don't know, in there on the inside of that mitre vicar of christ and they, they believe that anyway so i mean all you have to do is look at the bible even a perverted bible even some new age bible like an niv or whatever you could figure this out so many things that are 100 percent diametrically opposed to bible believing christianity go on all day long and have gone on for basically hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years under various popes So going further, uh, this is from, uh, this is a quote here. I guess this is a quote from some of Alberto Rivera's material. The great counterfeit religion was Roman Catholicism. It still is. Called, and, and this, is his, this is his take on everything, called Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the abominations of the earth, from Revelation 17.5. She was raised up to block the gospel, slaughter the believers in Christ, establish religions, create wars, and make the nations drunk with the wine of her fornication, as we will see. I don't know of any other institution since the death of Christ. Now, granted, I know you could say, okay, Catholic religion started around 318 AD, uh, through Constantine, and... You know, okay, it wasn't before that. Well, yeah, but it's the Roman Catholic Church. So it was a kind of a continuation of what Rome, you know, had set in motion. And then they, what they did is they tried to, 
basically come off with a facade of fake lukewarm polluted perverted christianity melding that with the other pagan religions of the day so to look attractive to them and this is where we start bringing in all the pagan holidays okay into the roman catholic religion like saturnalia which was a roman um debauchery feast you know that, that took place on december 25th it was the birth of the sun god tammuz honoring saturn you know which is basically a, a derivation of the word satan if you start to flip things around um sixth planet from the sun you know it's not a good thing so this is what we're dealing with here we're dealing with something that it's not just some oh well they're a little bit off doctrinally and this and that no they were the great counterfeit religion okay raised up to block the gospel slaughter the believers in christ establish religions create wars and make the nations drunk with the wine of her fornication the vatican wanted to create a messiah for the arabs someone they could raise up as a great leader a man with charisma in whom they could train and eventually unite all the non-catholic arabs behind him creating a mighty army that would ultimately capture jerusalem for the pope that was what the roman catholic church's hope was okay that was why why they they did what they did okay now as we're going to see that hasn't worked out perfectly for them because they it's like you know you heard the expression i created a monster well they created a monster with this thing and it's gotten a little bit out of their control obviously at this point so going further the pope moved quickly and issued bulls granting like these papal bulls edicts type things granting the arab generals permission to invade and conquer the nations of north africa the vatican helped to finance the building of these massive islamic armies in exchange for three favors number one eliminate the jews and christians true believers which they called infidels two protect the augustinian monks and roman catholics three conquer jerusalem for quote his unholiness his he calls him his holiness in the vatican now why would they do this because islam was doing the vatican's dirty work if the vatican was going in there and just now i know they did this during the inquisitions okay i understand that but if they were just going out and just outrightly slaughtering all the christians under the catholic under the banner of the roman catholic church and i know they have done that but obviously people are going to figure that out obviously that is going to be a lot of bad press for them so islam was the ultimate scapegoat that they could set in motion to do their dirty work and we're going to prove all that today as time went by the power of islam became tremendous jews and true christians were slaughtered and jerusalem fell into their hands roman catholics were never attacked nor were there shrines during this time but when the pope asked for jerusalem he was surprised at their denial the arab generals had such military success that they could not be intimidated now by the pope nothing could stand in the way of their own plate now we're going to kind of come back to that this is a somewhat disjointed some of the parts of this okay and I, I tried to go through and edit this and in, in to make it a little bit more cohesive as i read it but we're going to kind of come back to that point later so this is how the, this is under the uh link of how the vatican created islam and there's a link to that if you want to click on it which goes into it in more detail this information came from alberta, alberta rivera former jesuit priest 
after his conversion to, uh, to Christianity, it is exerted from the Prophet, published by Chick Publications. Since it's, and it's again, it's chick.com on the, on the uh, internet. Since its publication, after several unsuccessful attempts on his life, he died suddenly from food poisoning. His testimony should not be silenced. Dr. Rivera uh, speaks to us still. And it goes on to say, and this is uh, Dr. Rivera, the former Jesuit uh, priest. What I'm going to tell you is what I learned in secret briefings in the Vatican when I was a Jesuit priest. Under the oath and induction, a Jesuit cardinal named Augustine B. showed us how to desperately, how desperately the Roman Catholics wanted Jerusalem at the end of the third century. And we know the Pope wants Jerusalem. We know that. He wants to rule, you know, that's the ultimate prize for them. Because of its religious history and its strategic location, the holy city was considered a priceless treasure. A scheme had to be developed to make Jerusalem a Roman Catholic city. The great untapped source of manpower that could do the job were the children of Ishmael. The Arabs fell victim to one of the most clever plans ever devised by the power of darkness. And okay, this going back to Abraham, Ishmael. The, the child, the male child he had by basically running ahead of God, not believing God that, that, that uh, Abraham and Sarah could have a child that late in life. Sarah's like, well, have my handmaid, she'll bring forth. And she did, but look at the mess that that has created down throughout history. Okay, so the Arabs fell... Uh, Anyway, let me just read that last sentence again. The great untapped source of manpower that could do this job was the children of Ishmael. The Arabs fell victim to one of the most clever plans ever devised by the powers of darkness. Early Christians went everywhere with the gospel, setting up churches, but met with heavy opposition. Both the Jews and the Roman government persecuted the believers in, in Christ to stop their spread. But the Jews rebelled against Rome and... In 70 AD, the Roman armies under General Titus smashed Jerusalem and destroyed the great Jewish temple uh, that was the heart of their worship, in fulfillment of Christ's prophecy in Matthew 24 too. But corruption, apathy, greed, cruelty, perversion, and rebellion were eating at the Roman Empire, and it was ready to collapse. The persecution against Christians was useless as they continued to lay down their lives for the gospel of Christ, which only made them grow more, essentially. The only way Satan could stop uh, this thrust was to create a counterfeit Christian religion to destroy the work of God. The solution was in Rome. Their religion had come from ancient Babylon, and all it needed was a facelift. This didn't happen overnight, but began in the writings of the early church fathers. Now, these are the corrupt ones, because there's obviously a lot of good ones, but the early church fathers, the corrupt ones, were in reference to here. Okay, Who also gave us the corrupted manuscripts that turned into the modern-day versions of the Bibles through the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus. Guys like Origen and them, and, and the Alexandrian uh, library, going all the way back to that. That's a whole other subject, but it was through their writings that a new religion would take shape. The statue of Jupiter in Rome was eventually called St. Peter, and the statue of Venus was changed to the Virgin Mary. Okay, so everything that was pagan, they, quote, Christianized. You know, the birthday of Tammuz was changed to the birth of Jesus Christ, the birthday of the sun god 
time it was which changed to the birth date of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. There's another example. So the statue of Venus was changed to the Virgin Mary. The statue of Jupiter in Rome was eventually called St. Peter. And this is what Roman Catholicism has done all the way up to this very day, and these traditions persist and are still embraced and still celebrated in the churches, but again, they were corrupted from the beginning, and there's nothing that is going to never, there's nothing that man could ever do to make them uncorrupted. Okay, so they're still an abomination in God's eyes, just like they were at the beginning, as they are now. The site chosen for its headquarters was on one of the seven hills called the Vaticanus, the place of the diving serpent where the satanic temple of Janus stood. <laughs> so this is the, you know, the Vatican's uh, wonderful beginnings, you know, wonderful foundational beginnings. The place of the diving serpent where the satanic temple of Janus stood. The great counterfeit religion was Roman Catholicism called Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the abominations of the earth. Revelation 17.5. She was raised up to block the gospel, slaughter the believers in Christ, establish religions, create wars, and make the nations drunk with the wine of her fornication, as we will see. Three of the major religions have one thing in common. Each has a holy place where they look for guidance. Roman Catholicism looks to the Vatican as the holy city. The Jews look to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. The Muslims look to Mecca as their holy city. Each group believes that they receive certain types of blessings for the rest of their lives for visiting their respective holy places. In the beginning, Arab visitors would bring gifts to the house of God, um, the keepers of the Kaaba, which is the big black stone in Mecca that they all walk around and pray around. Um, and, and the keepers of Kaaba were gracious to all who came. Some brought their idols, and not wanting to offend these people, their idols were placed inside the Kaaba, the what they call the sanctuary. Here's a picture of it if you've never seen it. And again, this is where, you know, this last year, I think like 2,000 people were, were stampeded and trampled to death. And they, you know, they love their own followers so much, I saw them literally with bulldozers scooping up bodies and getting them out of there. They have such reverence and respect for their own people. I mean, these, these people are such savages. It, and this is supposedly when you would think they'd all be on their, their best behavior ever. Oh, I'm going to, the, the, the Brill Cream religion, the veneer of, of, of being so close to Allah. And here they are stampeding one another. <laughs> as far as I could see, not a whole lot of remorse. They're scooping them up in bulldozers and getting them out of there. 2,000 people, at, at least. And that's not even the worst one. And then that crane fell. You know, you'd think they'd get the hint that, uh, you know, God's trying to get their attention. Anyway, in a tribal contention over a well, the treasure of the Kaaba and the offerings that pilgrims had given were dumped down the well, and it was filled with sand, so it disappeared. Uh, many years later, Adib al-Mutalib was given visions telling him where to find the well and its treasures. He became the hero of Mecca. And he was destined to become the grandfather of Muhammad. So that's Muhammad's lineage. Before this time, Augustine, the Roman Catholic Augustine, became the bishop of North Africa and was effective in winning Arabs to Roman Catholicism. That's why, I mean, I still hear, like, I've had listeners, I've had, I, I hear it on, you know, Christian, quote, Christian radio people quoting Augustine. I've had listeners email me and i don't mean my average listener i mean just like listeners that 
you know, telling me, oh, Augustine said that. I'm like, and that's that's what you're going to use to prove your argument. You're going to use a guy that's burning in hell right now that's taken who knows how many countless people to hell through the Roman Catholic death cult and his influence to convince me of whatever point you're trying to make. Are you kidding me? Augustine became the bishop of North Africa, was effective at winning Arabs to Roman Catholicism, including the including whole tribes. It was among these Arab converts to Catholicism that the concept of looking for an Arab prophet developed. Muhammad's father died from illness, so sons uh, born to great Arab families in places like Mecca were sent uh, into the desert to be suckled and weaned and spend some of their childhood with Bedouin tribes for training and to avoid the plagues that existed in the cities. After his mother and grandfather also died, Muhammad was was with his uncle when a Roman Catholic monk learned of his identity and said, quote, take your brother's son back to his country and guard him against the Jews. For by God, if they see him and know of him, uh, that which I know, they will construe evil against him. Great things are in store for his brother's for this brother's son of yours. In other words, they were grooming Muhammad evidently from the very beginning. And he had the pedigree because his grandfather was the hero of Mecca. Because of what I said before there. The Roman Catholic monk had fanned the flames for future Jewish persecutions at the hands of the followers of Muhammad. Muhammad. Why? Well, he says, well, oh yeah, you got to guard this. You take your brother's son back to his own country, guard him against the Jews. For by God, if they see him, they will know him and that which I know, and they will construe evil against him. So there was this inherent hatred against the Jews from the very, very beginning. I don't even think the Jews would have even cared. I, I seriously doubt it. I mean, why would they have? I understand Talmudic uh, Jews that are practicing the Kabbalah, evil, evil uh, group of, of individuals. No doubt about that. Okay, now I'm not demonizing all Jews, I'm saying those though, but I, I'm not even 100% sure. I think this was all just made up lies in order to demonize the Jews. Again, where, what was the Roman Catholic Church's agenda to get Jerusalem back? They were trying to set up this religion they were creating through Muhammad, who they were grooming in order to ultimately do their dirty work for them, kill the Jews, kill the Christians, and ultimately kill them all and then get back Jerusalem for the Roman Catholic Church. That's what they wanted. And this is what was being set up. It's diabolically uh, brilliant, if you think about it. But And I'm not glorifying that, I'm just saying it's, it's diabolically brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant in an evil way. It's sat satanically inspired. And obviously, this would have a, you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in the making to even bring a plan like this to pass i'm sure they would have liked it to happen a lot quicker but it hasn't worked out that way for them so anyway let's go back to the report here uh the roman catholic monk had fanned the flames for future jewish persecutions at the hands of the followers of muhammad the vatican desperately wanted jerusalem because of its religious significance but it was blocked by the jews Another problem was that the true Christians in North Africa who preached the gospel, Roman Catholicism was growing in power but would not tolerate opposition. Because that it's total opposition to Roman Catholicism. 
Somehow the Vatican had to create a weapon to eliminate both the Jews and the true Christian believers who refused to accept Roman Catholicism. Looking to North Africa, they saw multitudes of Arabs as a source of manpower to do their dirty work. Some Arabs had become Roman Catholic and could be used in reporting information to the leaders in Rome. Others were used in an underground spy network to carry out Rome's master plan to control the great multitudes of Arabs who rejected Catholicism. When St. Augustine appeared on the scene, he knew what was going on. His monasteries served as bases to seek out and destroy Bible manuscripts owned by true Christians. This is why the King James Bible was such a big deal, because it was the first time in history where the modern, everyday man had access to the Word of God. Now, I understand you can say, yeah, well, there's some good... Yeah, I'm not saying there, there weren't any other uh, good translations before the King James, but they weren't widely um, uh, available to the average person either. It was after, you know, the King James was actually first translated that that, that dynamic... Uh, in earnest, was able to take place. So they were always trying to keep the true word of God out of the hand, the Roman Catholic Church, out of the hands of um, um, even their own people, where they would have everything, um, you know, in Latin and these types of things, and most of their congregations couldn't even, many of them couldn't even read or write. That was just fine and dandy, for Roman Catholicism, because then they could totally control the narrative. They could totally control, you know, I mean, if, if you're going to spoon-feed somebody, I mean, this is how all pseudo-Christian cults get started, if you think about it. Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, they all claim to be have this Christian veneer, but what they do is they reinterpret the Bible, they take their little pet verses out of the Bible, they use corrupted versions, and then they add to the Word of God, through, you know, like the Book of Mormon and the Mormons, and they also have the Pearl of Great Price, and then the Jehovah Witnesses have all of their whatever prophets, and then they have the Watchtower magazine, which is supposedly angelically inspired, and, you know, all of this garbage. So you're always, you're always having to add to the Word of God, and it's always funny because whatever adds to the Word of God always takes precedent over the Word of God because it's more current and it's more updated, and that's always their typically their excuse. But this is how all pseudo-Christian cults get started. Roman Catholicism is the same way. It was just the first one, as far as I could tell. Maybe there were some other knockoffs before them, but the, it's, it's the granddaddy pretty much of them all, uh, as far as that goes. So, going further... Let's see here. The Vatican wanted to create a Messiah for the Arabs, someone they could raise up as a great leader, a man with charisma whom they could train and eventually unite all the non-Catholic Arabs behind him, creating a mighty army that would ultimately capture Jerusalem for the Pope. In a Vatican briefing, Cardinal B. told us this story. Now, this is um, the ex-Jesuit priest Alberto Rivera giving his account. Okay, So in the Vatican briefing, Cardinal B. told us this story. A wealthy Arabian lady, who was a faithful follower of the Pope, played a tremendous part in this drama. She was a widow named Khadijah. She gave her wealth to the church and retired to a convent, but was given an assignment. She was to find a brilliant young man who could be used by the Vatican to create a new religion and become the Messiah for the children of Ishmael. This is, this is how Islam got started. This is the very origin of it. 
Khadijah had a cousin named Waruqwa, who was also a very faithful Roman Catholic, and the Vatican placed him in a critical role as Muhammad's advisor. Evidently, they had already, at this point, he was being groomed. Obviously, he had the pedigree because of his grandfather, okay? He had a tremendous influence on Muhammad, this uh, Wariqwa, this, um, who was a cousin of the lady that they commissioned to do this for. Teachers were sent to young Muhammad, and he had intensive training. Muhammad studied the works of St. Augustine, which prepared him for his great, his quote, great calling. He was studying Catholic manuscripts very early on. The Vatican had Catholic Arabs across North Africa spread the story of a great one who was about to rise up among the people and be chosen, be the chosen one of their God. Isn't this unreal? This is where it all started. While Muhammad was being prepared, he was told that his enemies were the Jews and that the only true Christians were Roman Catholics. He was taught that others calling themselves Christians were actually wicked imposters and should be destroyed. And here, what, what do we have to this day? What do we have to this day? That exact same dynamic expressing itself every single day with this army of mostly inbred savages that are raping, stealing, killing, pillaging their way across the planet with a special emphasis on Christians and Jews. And this was the literal foundation for all of that. The hatred they have. This was the foundation. Unbelievable. He was taught that others calling themselves Christians were actually wicked imposters and should be destroyed. Many Muslims believed this. I'm trying to see what I have on time here. Okay. Muhammad began receiving divine revelations and his wife's Catholic cousin, Wariqwa, helped interpret them. Oh, isn't that convenient? I'm sure it's going to be very favorable to the Catholic Church, these divine revelations. Now, you could say, well, were, what about these divine revelations? Well, they were demonically, they were fallen angelically inspired, obviously. I mean, Satan was the centerpiece of all of this. So if Satan is the centerpiece and he was on board with this idea that obviously was satanically inspired, and he, he can come with signs and line wonders and all types of things, and false visions and false whatever, which is the basis for a lot of different cults, this is what was happening with Muhammad. He probably was receiving these undivine revelations. Okay, so I don't even doubt that part. He was a vessel of Satan, commissioned and groomed by Satan from the very beginning. From this time, from this, from these divine revelations that Muhammad began receiving, came the Quran. In the fifth year of Muhammad's mission, persecution came against his followers because they refused to worship the idols in the Kaaba. Okay, and again, the, the big black square stone building in, in Mecca that they all walk around and pray around and stampede each other around. Muhammad instructed some of them to flee to uh, Abyssinia where Negus, the Roman Catholic king, accepted them because Muhammad's views on the Virgin Mary were so close to that of Roman Catholic doctrine. So, 
the Arabs had their own amalgamation of Arabic paganism, essentially, with the Kaaba being their, their centerpiece. That did exist. But Islam, as we know it today, is totally different. Okay, and I, I need to... Um, yeah, I'm going to get into that here in a second. So they flee, they, they fled, and uh, the Roman Catholic king accepted them because Muhammad's view on the Virgin Mary was so close to the Roman Catholic doctrine. These Muslims received protection from Catholic kings because of Muhammad's revelations. It was very, very Catholic-friendly. Okay, and that's the, that's the theme we're going to be looking at here today as well. Muhammad later conquered Mecca, and the Kaaba was cleared of idols. History proves that before Islam came into existence, the Sabaeans in Arabia worshipped the moon god, and that is what Allah is, who was married to the sun god. They gave birth to three goddesses who were worshipped through the Arab world as the daughters of Allah. Um, and then it goes on to say, an idol excavated at Hazor in Palestine in the 1950s shows Allah sitting on a throne with a crescent moon on his chest, hence their symbol of the crescent moon. So, um, what happened there at the Kaaba? Because it, it just said he, was, he went to Mecca, conquered it, and cleared it of idols. What he did is when he went into the Kaaba, he got the, he there had, was just loaded with idols, okay? And he, from the accounts that, that I've read, he destroyed every single idol but one. And that was the, the idol of the moon god, Allah. For some reason, that was the one that Satan evidently impressed upon Muhammad to not destroy. All the other ones were gone, though. So then they could claim that they were monotheistic. Oh, we worship God, the same God that you, you worship. Well, then why are you doing such horrific, evil garbage in the name of your god oh it's not the same god of the bible that's why it's the moon god it's the pagan moon god which had been worshipped from antiquity but in other words this was just arabic paganism repackaged with a heavy um roman catholic influence essentially and we're going to be looking more at that influence later but this is what Islam is, essentially. So let's go further here. Uh, Muhammad claimed he had, he had a vision from Allah and was told, you are the messenger of Allah. This began his career as a prophet and he received many messages. By the time Muhammad died, the religion of Islam was exploding. The nomadic Arab tribes were joining forces in the name of Allah and his prophet Muhammad. So essentially what he did is he got the whole Arabic world focused in on just not a hodgepodge of thousands and thousands of pagan gods like you've got in India. Okay, It's easier to unite a race of people if they can all get on the same page and say they're worshiping the same devil moon god. Okay, Whereas if they all had their respective idols, you're going to have so many sex and different religions and different flavors you're not going to be able to get people united roman catholicism wanted them to all get united under the same banner the arab world the children of ishmael and this was the best way to do it and what he just did is he re they they 
basically revamped, probably gave a facelift to one of the gods they were already worshipping, which was Allah. It was already in the Kabbalah. They just, he just got rid of all, the, all, all of the other idols so they could focus in on the one and they would all have one common God. And then they, they could call themselves monotheistic as well. That's why that happened. Because they, if they would have left all those idols in the Kabbalah, that, that would not have been possible. They would have been disjointed. In, in, now I understand. You could say, well, yeah, but they're, they're not really now. You got Sunni, you got Shia, you got Wahhabi, you got this and that. Okay, fine. But the reality is, is and again, I understand there's v different and varying degrees, but the reality is, is they all read the same Quran. They all pray to the same devil moon god. And that same Quran tells them, to kill and slay the infidel wage holy jihad and just because the ones that aren't doing it aren't doing it right now doesn't mean they're not going to do it in the future and it doesn't mean they're not supporting the ones that do it just because there's more hardcore versions of islam out there doesn't mean they're again they're not all under the same curse praying to that same devil And, and again, when this Mahdi comes back, the 13th Imam, the Imam Mahdi, their awaited savior, I think what you're going to see at that point is a tremendous potential unification of Sunni, Shia, Wahhabi. Because when the Antichrist, the false prophet, starts coming with all signs and lying wonders and miracles, that's going to be all that a lot of people need to see to get on the same page. And if that supposed awaited prophet is fulfilling these scriptures and he's telling the whole Muslim population, regardless of whatever orientation they are, Wahhabi, Sunni, whatever, and he's telling them, listen, you all need to get on the same page, you're all brothers, unite, you know, they're going to do it. To a certain extent, I think the vast majority will, but you might have some holdouts, I don't know. But then they're going to be even more deadly. Because instead of the infighting that you see commonly among Islam, even to this very day, a lot of that may end up going away to a certain extent. There may be power struggles and this and that, but I think a lot of them are going to get on the same page. That's my opinion. I can't be dogmatic, but it just seems like it would make, make sense. Okay, so let's go further here, because I'm running out of time for this part. Uh, okay, continuing... Some of Muhammad's writings were placed in the Quran. Others were never published. They are now in the hands of high-ranking unholy men, the Ayatollahs, in the Islamic faith. So, so these are the ones that were never published. When Cardinal B. shared this with us in the Vatican, he said these writings are guarded because they contain information that links the Vatican to the creation of Islam. Of course they would be. Both sides have so much information on each other that if exposed, it would create such a scandal that it would be a disaster for both religions. So it's in both of their mutual benefit that they keep this information concealed. In their holy book, the Quran, Christ is regarded as only a prophet. If the Pope was his representative on earth, then he also must be a prophet of God. This caused the followers of Muhammad to fear and respect the Pope as another, quote, holy man. So going back, and remember when, when the Imam Mahdi comes back, he's going to come back, or what is coming back with him is 
they say is Jesus. Their version, their Islamic version of Jesus. A lesser, a much lesser version of Muhammad, but still a prophet. But it'll be the Islamic Jesus that will actually, supposedly, um, want to destroy Christianity. And, 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 you know, I've got into that before. Just key in Master Jesus or Sananda in the uh, keyword search box. For, and he also plays a very prevalent role in the New Age teachings we have. So, going back to previous information we covered, the Pope moved quickly and issued bulls granting Arab generals permission to invade and conquer the nations of North Africa. The Vatican helped to finance the building of these massive Islamic armies in exchange for three favors, eliminate the Jews and Christians, the true believers, which they were called infidels, two, protect the Augustinian monks and Roman Catholics, three, conquer Jerusalem for his holiness in the vatican as time went by the power of islam became tremendous the jews and true christians were slaughtered and jerusalem fell into their hands roman catholics were never attacked nor were their shrines during this time but when the pope asked for jerusalem he was surprised at their denial the arab generals now had such military success they could not be intimidated by the pope nothing could stand in their own way in other words they had created a monster even though they themselves were a monster under Wariqwa's direction, Muhammad, which was I, the lady that had influence over Muhammad, Muhammad wrote that Abraham offered Ishmael as a sacrifice. The Bible says that Isaac was the sacrifice, but Muhammad's, Muhammad's version removed Isaac's name and inserted Ishmael's name, of course, how, how convenient. As a result of this and Muhammad's vision, the faithful Muslim, Muslims built a mosque, the Dome of the Rock, in Ishmael's honor, on the site of the Jewish temple that was destroyed in 70 AD. This made Jerusalem the second most holy place in the Islamic faith, and it is to this day, and there's a picture of the Dome of the Rock here. The Pope realized what they had created was out of control. When he heard that they were calling his holiness an infidel, the Muslim generals were determined to conquer the world for Allah, and now they turned toward Europe. Islamic ambassadors approached the Pope and asked for papal bulls to give them permission to invade European countries. The Vatican was outraged. War was inevitable. Temporal power and control of the world was considered the basic right of the Pope. He wouldn't think of sharing it with those whom he considered heathens. The Pope raised up his armies and called them crusades to hold back the children of Ishmael from grabbing Catholic Europe. The crusades lasted centuries and the Jerusalem and Jerusalem slipped out of the Pope's hands. So there, here we get into the Crusades and why that essentially ended up happening. Turkey fell and Spain and Portugal were invaded by Islamic forces. In Portugal, they called the mountain village Fatima in honor of Muhammad's daughter. Never dreaming it would become world famous one day. We're going to get back to that. Years later, when Muslim armies were poised on the islands of Sardinia and Corsica to invade Italy, there was a serious problem. The Islamic generals realized they were too far extended. It was... It was now time for peace talks. One of the negotiators was Francis of Assisi. I remember when I went to Catholic high school, that was the, one of the, I think that was our, I think that was our patron saint because each one had like a different saint they had. Almost positive Francis of Assisi's was ours. Anyway, um, as a result, the Muslims were allowed to occupy Turkey in a Christian world because Turkey evidently was more of a Christian bent at that point. In other words, Roman Catholic too, I guess. And the Catholics were allowed to occupy Lebanon in the Arab world. 
it was also agreed that the Muslims could build mosques in Catholic countries without interference as long as Roman Catholicism could flourish in Arab countries. Cardinal B. told us in the Vatican briefings that both the Muslims and the Roman Catholics agreed to block and destroy the efforts of their common enemy, the Bible-believing Christian missionaries. And I would imagine the Jews. So that was their common main enemy. And that's then you have the Inquisitions, where you know, you've got the Roman Catholic Church killing true, born-again, Bible-believing Christians in the most horrific way you could possibly imagine. And just key in Inquisitions in the search box at contendingfortruth.com, I've done whole studies on that. All the fun torture devices they used and the horrific methods they used. So Christian, so unbelievably Christian on their part. A light control was kept on the Muslims from the Ayatollah down through the Islamic-friendly priests, nuns, and monks. The Vatican also engineered a campaign of hatred between the Muslim Arabs and the Jews. Before this, they had coexisted peacefully, though. The true Christians were demonized as well. The Islamic community looks on the Bible-believing missionary as a devil who brings poison to the children of Allah. This explains years of ministry, why years of ministry in these countries produce little results, because they were demonized before they ever even got in the door. All by design. The next plan was for the Roman Catholic Church to control Islam. In 1910, Portugal was was going socialistic, red flags were appearing, and the Catholic Church was facing a major problem. Increasing numbers were against the Church. The Jesuits wanted Russia involved, and the location of this vision at Fatima could play a key part in pulling Islam to the Mother Church. We'll get back to Russia in a second. In 1917, the Virgin, supposedly the Virgin appeared in Fatima. This demonic apparition, the mother of God, was smash, was a smashing success, playing to overflow crowds. <laughs> As a result, the socialists of Portugal suffered a major defeat. See, this is all that this is jockeying by. Even the visions and the false things that are happening, that is all demonically inspired on purpose because it's fulfilling a satanic agenda. Roman, and I never even knew that. I mean, unreal. Roman Catholics worldwide began praying for the conversion of Russia, and the Jesuits invented the no, Novenius to Fatima. I'll explain that in a second. Which they could perform throughout North Africa, spreading good public relations to the Muslim world. Note, a Novenia is an act of pious Roman Catholic devotion. I had to look that up, I didn't know often consisting of private or public prayers repeated for nine successive days in belief of obtaining special intercessory graces. <laughs> the Arabs thought they were honoring the daughter of Muhammad, uh, which is what the Jesuits wanted them to believe. In other words, because it was in Fatima and the Catholics invented this novenas for Fatima, and Fatima was like one of the daughters of Muhammad, the Arabs thought they were honoring the daughter Muhammad. Okay, and this is where the vision took place. So what it did is it, is it, tended, it tended more to unite the Muslims and the Catholic Church because of that, which was by design. Now again, if you've never seen this, it's called Messages from Heaven. It's uh, a DVD documenting the demonic Mary apparitions. I give you a link to it here. Okay, you can buy it or there's a link here. You can watch it for free and it goes into all the demonic marrying apparitions that have happened over over the years so as a result of the vision of fatima pope pius xii ordered his nazi army i mean this is unreal he ordered his nazi army to crush russia 
and the Orthodox religion and make Russia Roman Catholic. This was the main reason they're saying that Hitler invaded Russia. We know Hitler was totally yoked up with the Roman Catholic Church. We know they were totally united, yoked up together. Okay, so this is... This is what evidently the Catholic Church told Hitler to do. Now, I'm not saying Hitler didn't want to do that. But this is the reason they were trying to invade Russia. To stomp out the Orthodox religion, which to them would have been like a little wayward whore that went from the Catholic Church and, or, and, and convert them all to Roman Catholicism. A few years after he lost World War II, Pope Pius XII startled the world with his phony dancing sun vision to keep Fatima in the news. It was a great religious showbiz, and the world swallowed it. Not surprisingly, Pope Pius was the only one to see this vision. As a result, millions of faithful Roman Catholics are ready to die for their Blessed Virgin. But we haven't seen anything yet. The Jesuits have their Virgin Mary scheduled to appear four or five times in China, Russia, with major appearances coming up in the United States. That, nothing would surprise me, you know, at this point. And again, you know, they can, Satan could do this all day long. These signs align wonders and miracles. What does the Bible say? Jesus Christ warned in the end times, Matthew 24, 24, for there shall rise, rise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. 2 Thessalonians 2, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor his letter from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, the apostasy of the church, and the man of sin, the Antichrist, be revealed, the son of perdition. Skipping ahead, then that wicked shall be revealed, capital W, meaning the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. It's the primary way they're going to deceive people. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. He's blinded them. A lot of that blinding is going to come through these signs in, in false miracles and wonders and stuff. So back to their main report. What has this got to do with Islam? Note Bishop Sheen's statement. Our Lady, Our Lady of Fatima's appearances at Fatima mark the turning point in the history of the world's 350 million Muslims. After the death of his daughter, Muhammad wrote that she his daughter that died, is the most holy of all women in paradise, next to Mary. Remember, he had been brought up studying St. Augustine and Catholic scriptures, Muhammad. So you see how this is all going into a one-world religion under Antichrist, ultimately? And then it goes on to say, he believed that the Virgin Mary chose to be known as Our Lady of Fatima as a sign and a pledge that the Muslims who believe in Christ's virgin birth will come to believe in his divinity. Um, Bishop Sheen pointed out that the pilgrim virgin statues of Our Lady of Fatima were enthusiastically received by Muslims in Africa, India, and elsewhere, and that many Muslims are now coming into the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, now I'm totally out of time on this part, so I gotta go, and I will see you in part two. Scott Johnson's 1,000 plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H.
www.thcrystiancurrentevent.com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian Current Event and Health email newsletter. You can sign up at contendingfortruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2359 Highway 70 Southeast, number 321, Kickery, NC, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.